Greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, December the 6th. It is the second Sunday of Advent. And so we continue our look at Advent. And uh, this week we will be looking at and lighting the candle of peace. Now, to be fair, there's so many different ways that you can do the Advent uh, calendar and the Advent wreath and, and, and the order um, in some ways seems arbitrary, but um, the order that in which we're doing it this year, it, it's thought out. There is a progression. Um, and so for some of you that come from a really uh, more formal tradition, this may be a little bit out of the norm. For those of you that don't come from any tradition and are more of a non-denominational person, then the whole idea of an Advent season is sort of different anyway. So Uh, Having said that, we will be looking at um, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, peace. So listen as I read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let me pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. God with us brings peace. You know, God's peace can fill us and rule within us even when we're surrounded by sickness, division, spite, hate, death, evil. God's presence and peace can pierce even dark and painful surroundings and circumstances, including any war or emotional valley or pandemic that we find ourselves in. Christmas is typically and rightfully thought of as a season of joy, but it can be a painful season for many people, and maybe you're one of them. What battles do you face today? What what pain is relentlessly bombarding you as you hunker down in, in the trenches, so to speak? What darkness haunts you even while under the twinkling lights, the candles, the decorations, the music? We may not be able to end the personal, emotional, cultural, or physical wars that we are fighting this Advent season, but even in those darkest places, we can lean in to the God who is with us. And today, as we continue our Advent journey toward Christmas, we are focusing on and celebrating peace, the peace that has been brought into our world by Emmanuel, God with us. And my hope is that today, each of us will experience the comfort of Christ's peace deep within our souls. So if you were with us last week, uh, you, you, you know that we are celebrating Advent. And as a quick recap, the word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked by expectation by waiting anticipation and longing advent is not just an extension of christmas it is a season that links the past the present and the future advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the messiah to celebrate his birth and to be alert for his second coming 
You see, Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ's coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. During Advent, we, we sort of wait for both. It's, a, it's an active, assured, hopeful waiting. And each week, we focus on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of Jesus. Hope, peace, love, and joy. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the embodiment of these traits, who has entered in our world and who fills us with, with them all. So the shepherds, sort of a peace restored. The shepherds in the Christmas story often get a bad rap. They, they're presented as outcasts, dirty, unruly, uh, the bottom rung of society. And while they definitely held a lower place in society, not, not all scholars believe that they were so unrespectable. In fact, shepherds had at one point held a very high position in Israel's history. Faithful Jewish people would have known the stories of the patriarchs of their faith who were shepherds, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even King David, of whom Jesus was of a direct a descendant. But whether or not shepherds of Jesus' day were a totally motley crew, the profession had undeniably fallen in esteem since the days of the patriarchs. They were definitely considered a lower social class. They held a, a menial vocation that involved hard labor, out in the elements, physical work with animals, stinky animals. It, it's safe to say a shepherd wasn't the most uh, mamas dreamed, you know, what their boys would grow up to be. They, they were kind of a lowly bunch. And at the end of the spectrum in Israel were the, and at the, excuse me, at the other end of the spectrum in Israel were the were li- religious leaders of the day, sort of smug in their, their moral goodness, high positions of power. They made sure everyone else knew their place in the caste system, Pharisees and Sadducees, and the like at the top and everyone else below in in a descending order. And they kept themselves lifted up by putting everyone else down. They believed that they were the ones with a direct line to God and his purpose for everyone else's life. So in this hierarchy, shepherds weren't exactly accustomed to being contacted by angelic beings. They didn't expect direct messages from God through celestial representatives, so to speak. Imagine their surprise that star-filled night on the, the outskirts of Bethlehem when the brightest star in the sky, when it, when it dimmed and, and then the whole dark expanse began to glow with some brilliant light of an angel of the Lord. And Luke describes the scene like this. And, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. It's chapter two of Luke. What's going on here? And, and, and then as if a vision of an angel wasn't enough, the, the glowing guy begins to speak to the shepherds. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Unbelievable. But wait, there's... There's more, literally more, and as, they, and, and as in more angels. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The words were almost more unbelievable than the messengers themselves. The angels were making a proclamation of peace to those on whom God's favor rests, and they were making it to shepherds? 
can you imagine the confusion and doubts that were probably going through the shepherd's heads? Wait, I, I think I think they got the wrong guys, but but angels don't make mistakes, so I guess that's us. God's favor is on us, and his peace is with us. Seriously? And while we're on the subject of wondering what the shepherds might have been thinking during this angelic appearance, have you ever wondered what the sheep were doing the whole time? I mean, granted, sheep have a reputation of not being the smartest animals, but it's unlikely that they didn't notice the bright light, the loud noise. And while they aren't exactly, you know, racehorses, um, spooked sheep can move kind of fast. It seems realistic that all those white woolly ones would have bolted during this heavenly announcement. Not exactly this peaceful scene on a hillside that we sort of imagine it to be. The Bible doesn't tell us those details. Perhaps it was chaos, or perhaps the sheep were dazed and motionless, or perhaps the sheep's response is just irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Whatever the case, this was completely out of the ordinary. This, was, this was, wasn't supposed to happen to shepherds. Supernatural encounters with God's messengers and promises of blessing and favor didn't come to shepherds. Those were reserved for the super spiritual religious leaders of the day. But like much of Jesus' coming, this announcement didn't fit the mold of expectations. Ironically, the religious elite are, are conspicuously absent from the birth announcement. Those considered by society to be the most holy weren't given a place in the stable to kneel on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. The announcement to the shepherds that God had come to be with us in the birth of the Messiah turned the current system on its head. It reminded people, and it reminds us today, that God's favor is not based on human standards. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and accept the gifts of hope, of peace, of love, and joy that Jesus brings. The angels appeared to, to shepherds. The shepherds received the announcement of good news, and, and then they became the, messenger, the message bearers of peace. In three short steps, they had come full circle as Jesus' arrival meant a kind of restoration for the role of shepherds. In fact, throughout his teaching, Jesus used shepherds as an example of good things, not bad. Jesus even went so far as to call himself the good shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep. That restoration of wholeness and oneness with God is the essence of peace. The comforting knowledge that all is well and as it should be brings peace of mind and heart. You see, Jesus' arrival for the shepherds marked the starting place of peace to all those on whom his favor rests, to all those with whom he is present, which includes us. The God of peace is truly with us. Peace is not based on class, on position, or occupation, but on his purpose and design to bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Glory to God in the highest. The Prince of Peace has come. And on this second Sunday in Advent, let's explore together what that means and looks like throughout history and in our own lives. You see, the peace of wholeness. There is a peace of wholeness. Way back in the history as recorded in the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Moses and set up the roles and duties of the priest to guide the spiritual life of, of the ancient Jewish people, he gave them the ultimate blessing to speak to people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That's number six, 24 through 26. The Hebrew, Hebrew word used in that blessing and throughout the Old Testament is shalom, and it conveys rich 
powerful meaning, such, so much more than just the absence of fighting. Shalom reflects safety, completeness, and wholeness. This is the type of peace brought by God with us. Jesus is the Prince of Shalom foretold by the prophet Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This is Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. The Jewish people of Jesus' day wanted a Messiah to establish political justice against their oppressors. After all, they lived under the iron rule of the Roman Empire. And this was not by choice. They were a conquered people and at the mercy of a powerful military empire. But the Jewish people also understood and longed for shalom. The concept was foundational to their culture and their spiritual life. This completeness and wholeness with God is what Jesus brought into and left in our world. It is the peace that calms our souls deeply. It is the calm acceptance that it is well with my soul, no matter what swirls and storms around me. This is the peace we celebrate today. And when Jesus returns one day, he will heal all that has been broken and restore God's complete kingdom of shalom. Yes, there will be an absence of war and hatred, but even that type of peace will be an extension of the wholeness that he will establish. Because you see, peace is a person. Near the end of Jesus's life, he spoke these words to his disciples shortly before he was arrested and then crucified. He says in John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus knew his followers were about to experience a crushing blow. But he had a gift for them that was different from anything in our world. His peace is not given as the world gives. It's not a gift that can be taken away, nor is it something that we can create on our own. It is not the absence of pain, of hurt, of noise, of violence, or uncertainty. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus with us, God with us as the Prince of Peace. And his assurance to the disciples was that even in what would appear to be the most hopeless of situations, he would be with them. His peace is, pres- his, peace is his presence with us no matter the circumstances. For he himself is our peace, Paul told us in Ephesians 2.14. As we experience God's presence, we become interwoven in and inseparable from the peace that he is and that he gives to us. Paul then went on to say, he who has made the two groups one, who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. That's Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. God with us brings peace between us and God, but he also brings peace among people because we are all drawn together and unified in God through Jesus. This is the perfect picture of shalom, wholeness, safety, and the restoration of all people as one. Jesus' peace is not simply that we agree to disagree. It is that in him we are made one. In wholeness, we are reconciled to God and to others in Jesus. 
Peace transforms us and calms our storms. So how peaceful is your Christmas season? If we're honest, we might choose words like busy, maybe not this year, but certainly in the past, hectic, frantic, stressful to describe our lives this time of year. Or maybe that's how we would describe our lives year round. Maybe it's an overloaded schedule that robs us of peace. Or maybe it's something more. It's, there's a relational conflict. There's, a, there's pressure at work. There's a loss of employment. There's an illness. You name it. For many of us, peace sounds like a long way away. It sounds like a great idea, a nice thought for the holidays, something we long for. If only we could feel the peace of God with us. If this is where you find yourself today, let, let me encourage you that Jesus shows up when the storms of life threaten our peace and hope and joy. He's there with us when love seems lost and the way forward is completely unclear. And yes, even the disciples who lived in, with Jesus every day had a hard time grasping this. Do, do, do we remember the story of, of the disciples in the boat on the Sea of Galilee? It must have been one bad storm on, on the water that day to make the disciples so afraid. After all, many of them were fishermen, and this was their regular sea. Yet, as their boat took on water, they, they were terrified, and the waves rose, the wind howled, Jesus slept through it all, and finally the disciples shook him awake, and shouting at him, don't you care what happens to us? And Mark recorded it like this. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care what, that we're perishing? He arose, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there's great calm. With just a command for peace from Jesus, the storm calmed and the sea became tranquil again the disciples were in awe for for a good reason those disciples sure sound like you and I don't they when things aren't looking good for us we're often quick to cry out God don't you care we think he's not paying attention or doesn't realize the magnitude of our situation and, and we add to the spiral of our own storm I, I add to the spiral of my own storm but in reality God is there he is God with us always present and he knows that all that swirls around and within us and he sees the beyond the waves and the winds of our circumstances the power of his peace isn't diminished by our storms we can allow it to fill our hearts and calm and encourage us as we turn to him giving our request to him in prayer focusing on his faithfulness god with us will never leave us he will never fail it is this presence of peace that we celebrate as we journey towards Christmas. And it is this presence of peace that we can access and practice. Well, how? When we come to God through prayer, he changes us inside. God's peace is able to bring a powerful transformation in our spirits. No matter what we are anxious or worried about, we can bring our needs and our requests to God. Paul described the process like this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, thanksgiving leads to hopeless, to hopefulness. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. As we talk to him and give him thanks, God's peace swells within us and guards our emotions. This is a miraculous peace, one that transcends all understanding. 
It doesn't make sense given the worry and fear we are facing. It wouldn't naturally exist in the midst of our struggles. But this is God. This is the God we're dealing with. This is our Prince of Peace, the giver of shalom, the giver of his spirit of peace. When we come close to him, when we go to worship him like those shepherds did, we connect with him and he transforms us in our outlook. No matter how bad the storm swirling around us, he can calm it and he can carry us through it. So let me encourage you in this week of Advent to look for him. Even when the winds blow, the storms swirl, you may find him as a babe lying in a manger or a carpenter's son asleep in the boat. It may even initially seem to you as it did to the disciples that he does not care. But in the midst of whatever life holds this week, remember that Jesus comes in power as the Prince of Peace, always with us, restoring us to God through wholeness and comfort. So may he be our peace this week, guarding our souls with peace, filling our spirit with the wholeness of shalom and ruling as the Prince of Peace in our hearts. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. God bless and go in peace.